podcast that is in love with learning about love and commitment culture welcome to our third episode we're so happy to have you here i am molly kiernan and i'm meg joe and we are your hosts and we're gonna talk about love (laughs) wait what we're gonna talk about love i know but first we're gonna get into uh, our housekeeping up top yeah let's get into it our love friday cause as you guys know every friday we post about an organization that you can donate to and support to spread the love and our organization this week is to write love on her arms which is a nonprofit organization that aims to present hope for people struggling with addiction depression self-injury and thoughts of suicide while also investing in treatment and recovery mm-hmm. Since 2006, they have given over $2.4 million towards treatment and recovery. And to support them, you can give them a follow anywhere on social media at T-W-L-O-H-A, to write love on her arms, or visit their website to find ways to get involved and volunteer, as well as ways to donate on a one-time or monthly basis. Yeah, and I remember when To Write Love on Her Arms started when I was in college and that it was the first resource that I had personally ever heard about specifically for those struggling with thoughts of self-harm, which is amazing. Yeah, they've been around for a while. They're a great Mm -hmm. organization, so give them some love. Yeah, and then as far as housekeeping goes, I have an edit alert. Uh-oh, edit alert. <laughs> uh, I have a correction from last week. Well, not so much a correction as an added bit of information, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so we spent a lot of time discussing the pan-galactic <laughs> gargle blasters. My fault. <laughs> that um, Amanda Knox was hoping to have at her wedding. Did she have it? I don't know. But it wasn't until after we finished recording the episode that I came to realize slash remember that that particular drink is from the book that was turned into a film, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Haven't seen it or read it. Um, I I think I started reading it but didn't finish it, but I've seen the U.S. film version. There's like a BBC version as well. Oh, okay. All right. But it's not something that Amanda just made up for her wedding registry to sound wild. It is, quote, the best drink in existence, the effect of which is like having your brain smashed out with a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. This is from the book? Yeah, and the show okay. and movie, I think. Okay. Um, so sorry to all those hitchhiker heads out there for not catching that. Also, the charcoal gargler is our own thing now and we will yes we will be sharing recipes on that on our social media at some point so if you aren't following us at forever babe pod everywhere you gotta do it yes and guys please remember be sure to send in any and all real love stories via our website foreverbabepodcast.com so we can read them out loud on the pod yes it's fun for us and fun for you Molly, I think you should intro our next segment. Bum, bada, bum. Our next segment with a new name from me is <laughs> Cute Alert. <laughs> this is where we read news stories about love. I don't know why I'm screaming. <laughs> this is where we read. I'm keeping this. News new stories about love. And I decided I wanted it to be named Cute Alert. And Meg said, okay. <laughs> 
So, but then I realized as I'm picking up my cute alert stories for this week, the first story I picked is not cute, not cute at all. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of these are very serious. Maybe we should adjust the name. No, we'll, I feel I feel like we should stick to our your guns. Yeah, let's stick to my guns. I'm ruining the podcast. Um, <laughs> so even though I named this segment cute alert, I gotta say this first story that I have is not so much cute alert, but it's actually a little bit scary alert and maybe a little bit duh alert. Duh. Duh alert. Okay. And it's the results of a recent study that I found. The study is titled Emophilia and Other Predictors of Attraction to Individuals with Dark Triad Traits. What? Yeah. Now, I had no idea what emophilia or dark triad traits were, so I decided to look into it. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Emophilia is, in fact, the tendency to fall in love fast, easily, and often, as defined by the study. Oh, that's me. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> okay. I think it used to be me. I don't think it's me now. But and, and the dark triad traits are Machiavellism, psychopathy, and narcissism. So these are not good traits, but they all sound bad. But those traits are often disguised under charisma and charm. And we often hear this, you know, someone who is a narcissist might appear very charming, right? Yeah, or especially a psychopath, like you said. Right, like Ted Bundy or whoever. Mm -hmm. So this study found that people with emophilia are more likely to fall for people with these dark triad traits. Uh So if you're someone that falls in love quickly Uh and easily, like Meg apparently, (laughs) you got to watch out because you might be more likely to fall for a narcissist. Uh, And this story was interesting to me because it's just more proof that sometimes love can be really tricky. You know, there Mm -hmm. are people who can't help falling in love fast, and maybe my co-host, and maybe people (laughs) who can't even help falling for bad people. Sure. Right. So, you know, we love love on this podcast, but we also have to acknowledge that it's very complicated. And that's something we are going to do in today's episode. But oh, yes. Yeah. First, we got to get into the rest of our story. So let me get into my second story because this is definitely cute alert, guys. <laughs> so I know you're going to love this story. And it was sent to me from one of our listeners, Virginia. We got a cute alert from a listener? We got a cute alert from I a didn't listener. Even know that. Uh-huh. And you may remember her from our real love story last week. She's the woman who is still searching for the man she met in Prague. Oh, yes. Right. So if you're a man from Prague or any of our listeners for that matter, please go back and listen to episode two if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this story is former WNBA player Maya Moore and her new husband, Jonathan Irons, recently appeared on Good Morning America to talk about their wedding this summer, but more importantly, about how they fell in love and the story is incredible meg so when jonathan was just 16 he was wrongfully convicted of a shooting during a home burglary he was tried as an adult and convicted by an all-white jury he maintained his innocence but went to jail moore met him when she was doing some prison ministry at the age of 18 they developed a friendship and eventually fell in love and she even put her basketball career on hold to fight for his release which was finally successful after 13 years and then they finally got married what i know isn't that pretty beautiful that's crazy. And she made this huge sacrifice, you know, putting everything on hold to fight for his release. And now they both do work fighting for the release of, of people who are in prison for wrongful convictions. Ooh, I bet they know Amanda Knox. <laughs> know her personally? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Crossing paths in the Innocence Project. Exactly. Uh, that's amazing. So she just fully trusted and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a beautiful story. Ugh. Yeah. That is beautiful. And it's so crazy when somebody actually does get released. 
I know. from being wrongfully convicted. And it took a long time, so but much. they, yeah, they stuck to it, and this beautiful love story came out of it. So thank you again to Virginia for sending that to us. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that story. Okay. Cute alert from Meg. Um, <laughs> I found an article in the South China Morning Post titled, Chinese Single Women Learning to Love the Solo Lifestyle, Independence, and Focusing on Their Self-Worth. Ooh, cool. Um, yeah, and it says that there are rising numbers of younger people in China who are shunning the social pressure to marry, mirroring trends in other countries, and that some women say they are embracing the sense of freedom and opportunity it gives them, which I think is amazing. Yeah, that's great. So the latest data from Civil Affairs Bureau shows that the marriage rate in China has been falling since 2013. Last year, 9.2 million marriages were registered, which is a drop of 8.5% compared to the previous year. Okay, that feels significant. Yeah. Yeah. 8.5% year to year is huge, I feel like. Yeah. And meanwhile, economic data points to the rise in the solo economy, which I thought was interesting. It means that more people were buying meals for one. <gasps> oh, I yeah. love that. Single plane tickets and even the use of one-person karaoke booths. Oh, which my gosh. Cool. <laughs> I know. I wish I had it in me to spend money on a single-person karaoke booth. I um, would absolutely do that. Yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess the number of unmarried people is still relatively small, even compared with other countries where people face similar social pressures to marry. Okay. One of the main reasons for the fall in China's marriage rate is the skewed ratio of men and women that is a result from the strict controls on the number of children that families were allowed to have and the traditional preference for sons. But also it's because women have more choices today. Some women are even saving up or buying a house just so that they have the option of not marrying. Marrying. But beyond making financial preparations, women must still be ready to cope with the pressure of living what is seen as an unconventional lifestyle. But still, some singles there are taking a stance saying that they want to focus on their self-worth rather than someone else's. Hell yeah. I like that. Yeah. My mom used to always... My mom's been married to my dad since before I was born, so I've only sure. known her as a married woman, but she is... My dad doesn't like going out. And so my mom has always been like, you gotta go to dinner alone. There's nothing like it. Like, she's always told me that since I was a kid. So I've never felt weird about, like, going out to dinner or going to the movies alone. And one thing my mom does is... I remember when I was a kid or in like in high school she would go to friendlies in our town by herself and like every time come back and have like a story about a new person she was friends with. That's amazing. Yeah. She's like one of the... She would like go... I remember one time I was in college and she met a young young guy on a train just like Uh started talking. No, not in a weird way. She like met him for me, like started talking to him and I think... I don't. I think got his number, but I never <laughs> texted him. Something like that. That's just her. That's so, so cool. I envy you for that. that because I do remember being in high school and early in college and feeling very vulnerable eating mm-hmm. alone, which is yeah. so silly to me now. I yeah. love it. I remember being like that too. Like I even in college, like going to the dining hall, and if I didn't have someone sitting with me, feeling like a it big loser. Anything. And now I'm like, I love eating alone I prefer it because I can put the tv on (laughs) sure when you eat alone at home yes (laughs) yeah and wherever else I go because I have my phone (laughs) yeah that's true that's true it is always nice to have a book or device right but I also feel like I don't need it anymore which is amazing yeah totally so if you are young and listening to this podcast and feel crazy eating alone don't it's 
beautiful and amazing <laughs> and you'll love it one day. Uh, okay, I have an update on Love Has Won. I, as promised. The saga that never ends, I know. ladies and gentlemen. I did feel like maybe I wouldn't share this week, but then Dr. Phil just did a big two-part episode on Love Has Won. And I learned some things, so I just wanted to share a little bit about okay, it. Okay, yeah, that's so crazy. So I watched some of it, but I'll just share one part today that was a video of a woman explaining what it was like to be a part of the group for two months and then leave it. Okay, interesting. And I'm just going to say now, I'm not going to preface this with background information. Listen to our first two episodes. Okay. This woman went to the main Colorado location and said it was a beautiful ranch and that during her stay there, she did believe that Amy, Mother God, was in fact God. But the day that she arrived, she did feel off about the fact that one of the members had been sent away. Okay. So she was told she was not allowed to see Amy until her own energy was working at a higher vibration. Yikes. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but then she gets into all this very classic cult stuff. Okay. So manual labor and sleep deprivation were used. She was told that they all have to wake up at 5 a.m. every day to work on the ranch because if they're idle, then they're stealing energy from Mother God. Yeah. And what does Mother God do? Lay in bed all day? Well, yeah, but let me get to it. Oh, okay. Um, I just made that up. <laughs> so when she did see Amy for the first time, she realized that Amy is paralyzed or says she is. And and she has Whoa. to be carried from her bed to the bathroom. So you kind of knew, I guess. Whoa. Uh, but for other reasons, so she says. So it's not clear if she actually is paralyzed. Yeah. I okay. guess. I don't know how we would know. But yeah, she yeah. claims okay. to be and maybe is. She also said that Amy for sure has a drinking problem and drinks literally all day long. Amy would also perform etheric surgeries where she claims she can remove tumors and kidney failure, etc. And she does this on her followers? Yeah, this is well, and whoever wants it, it's done <laughs> remotely. And she's paid for performing these surgeries. What does done remotely mean? Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, it's a very spiritual thing. So, for example, if she conducts brain surgery on you, it's more like she... It's like Reiki for your brain? Yeah, she figuratively removes your brain. Oh, yikes. That's nothing. And then conducts the (laughs) surgery and then puts it back. But the woman that they were speaking to for this interview said that Amy had made over $400,000 on one of these and a lot on others as well. Two months into being at Love Has Won, this woman fled and left everything behind. When she was on the plane heading back home is when she could really process what she had experienced over the last two months. And that makes sense to me because she probably got to rest and eat some protein and think straight. Yeah, you deprive people of sleep and food, that's it. You know, like, yeah. like you can really get them to do anything. Yeah, I read that kidnappers often, I mean, this is really dark, <laughs> cute alert, but <laughs> kidnappers often only feed their captives straight up pasta because carbs alone will make your brain fuzzy. So that's probably what was happening. Yeah. I'm just assuming that, but. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, this is, like, such a different thing, but, and obviously not the same experience. Kind of. But, yeah, but, like, I am recovered from an eating disorder, which is. Oh, no. (laughs) From that. Yes. Yeah, I'm recovering from an eating disorder, which is something I talk about a lot, and I'm sure we'll talk about more on this podcast, but, like, you know, so I was depriving myself of food and sleep and the same, you know, because I, I couldn't sleep for years, and. 
you're a different person. You know yeah. what I mean? And you are so desperate for guidance that you listen to anyone. Like mm-hmm. that's it's so manipulative, but that's how it happens. For sure. So that's, you know, my little update on what's happening with Again. Mother God. Again, we shouldn't be calling it cute alert. <laughs> <laughs> no. We have to find a cute spin on everything. <laughs> uh, what's cute is we are not in a cult. Yay. That's so cute. And then I just, I know we usually share uh, two stories each, but I did want to acknowledge that the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg did just pass away. Yes. And obviously not a cute cute alert but it's an alert and I figured I just saw this story that has two quotes from her that were related to love so I thought I'd read them yeah that would be lovely uh the first one is related to advice that she received from her mother-in-law she said dear in every good marriage it helps sometimes to be a little deaf and I followed (laughs) that advice in dealing not only with my dear spouse but in dealing with my colleagues on the U.S. Supreme Court amazing yeah how how else would you get through exactly yeah and show compassion and love for them yeah uh and then in 2014 in the washington post she said if you have a caring life partner you help the other person when that person needs it i had a life partner who thought my work was as important as his and i think that made all the difference for me that's i love that that's yeah. lovely yeah I, especially in her time yeah that picture that's going around of her and all those men Mm -hmm. doing their thing and she's alone and she's standing tall and we love her yeah rest in peace absolutely Mm -hmm. so meg let's just do it let's get into today's topic okay all right this week's topic is the The it it. (laughs) molly for those who don't know what in the world is the ick? Okay, I'm pretty excited to talk about this because this is is this is really really an interesting topic for me. <laughs> so first, before I get into the definition, I do want to give some credit. I got a lot of the information I'm going to tell you right now from a great article in Cosmopolitan written by Emily Gula. So I just want to give her credit up top. Here we go. The ick is basically when you suddenly out of nowhere cringe at the thought of romantic contact with the person you're seeing. Okay. Okay, so you could be really into them. All of a sudden, you wake up one day or you're at dinner and you look at their face and you want to throw up. (laughs) Okay. It's truly, yes, that's what it is. It's not doubt. It's actually often defined as repulsion, which is a pretty strong word, but we are talking about a very strong feeling here. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like if you're listening to this and you felt this feeling, you're immediately like, I get it. And if you haven't felt this feeling, you're probably like, what are you guys talking about? But it is real. I've also seen it described on Reddit as the light switched effect because it happens so quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also referred to as sudden repulsion syndrome, which is something Meg's going to get into later. So Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of names for it, right? So, you know, it's common. Yeah. This same article from Cosmopolitan had a quote from psychotherapist Gupreet Singh. Uh, specifically about the ick that uh, helped it all make sense for me. Singh says the ick is, quote, a very strong gut reaction, either to the mannerisms of the person or the way they behave. It could be that you've picked something up in their value system that's completely different from yours. The way they laugh or tell a joke might completely irritate you, or it could even be just their look or smell. Okay. There are a whole variety of reasons why the ick develops, but it's a deep feeling that this person isn't somebody you want to be with. Now, Mm -hmm. this sounds pretty mean when you flat out define it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to remember when we talk about this today that the ick is not something you can really help. It's your gut telling you that something's wrong. 
Goupree, as well as other professionals who have talked about this, say that the ick is something that usually happens earlier in a relationship, like maybe towards the end of the honeymoon phase or in the first couple of months. People who have gotten the ick sometimes describe it as totally coming out of nowhere, but some say they start noticing little things about the person that bothers them. It can be, like I said before, their smell, their mannerisms, maybe what they wear. At first, it's just like, it could be just like, oh, that's a little annoying. And then the next thing they know, they're looking at the person they're seeing. They feel repulsed. Okay. Sure. Great. So where did this term come from? Mm-hmm. I had never heard it before watching Love Island, the UK version. Oh, that's so interesting. Shout out. <laughs> Available on Hulu. Highly recommend. <laughs> and it turns out that's for a good reason because the term actually originated or at least was made very popular from that show. Yeah. So we should back up for a moment and explain the importance of Love Island to <laughs> the friendship of us two hosts. Okay. okay? Meg is the first person who told me about it because she was already a big fan, and then I had another good friend tell me about it right as quarantine was starting, so I was like, okay, now's the time. I gotta watch Love Island. I started watching it, and because I have an addictive personality and I love TV more than anything else or anyone else in the world, I quickly watched every season and lapped Meg, I will yeah. say. <laughs> I have I have converted many a follower to the Love Island you have. gospel. Yes, you have. It's so good. You guys have to watch it. The but UK version, specifically. The US version sucks. UK <laughs> version, great. So, Olivia Atwood is one of my all-time favorite Love Island contestants. Yes. She's from 2017. She's great because she's so self-aware. Like, she makes all these terrible dating decisions, and she oh, just knows so it. she's so damaged and knows it and right. works she's always on like, it. Here I go again. <laughs> Was that a good impression? No. <laughs> okay. So then, so she first described the term the ick while talking about the end of her romantic relationship with contestant Sam Gowan. She said, mm-hmm. when you've seen a boy and got the ick, it doesn't go. It's caught you, and it's taken over your body. It's just ick. I can't shake it off. Oh, no. (laughs) The term was also later made popular by 2020 Love Island contestant Leanne while describing her relationship with Mike. You guys gotta watch the show. You'll learn all about these people. Yeah, I feel like Olivia coined it. Leanne really just blew it up. Blew it up. Yes. Yes. Uh, So that's what the ick is and where it came from, but as Meg will tell you, we've seen the ick in a lot of other places. Yes, aside from Love Island, there are quite a few places in the media pre-2017 that the ick can be found. There's a Sex in the City episode in season six called The Ick Factor, where Carrie is really put off by Alexander's old-school romantic gestures. He reads her poetry and buys her things and writes a song on the piano for her. Yeah. Yeah, which, uh, honestly, some of that would bug me. Yeah, it's, like, too much all at once. Yeah, and it's too much for her, and she's completely turned off. Mm -hmm. But then there's the Friends episode titled The One with the Ick Factor. Do you remember that one, Molly? Describe it. I'm sure I do. It's where Monica finds out that the guy she is seeing is 17, not 22, like he first said, which, to be fair, feels less like an (laughs) ick factor and more like a realization that what you're doing is, in fact, illegal. Um, Yep. Yeah. And then there's no specific episode, but the ick feels like it could have been the title of truly any given Seinfeld episode. George's storylines especially, I feel like he dumped a woman because she beat him at chess at one point, and another woman for how she pronounced the name Samuel and makes paper mache hats. And I could just picture him and Jerry having a conversation. (laughs) Jerry, I got the ick again. Well, knock it off. Get rid of the ick. No, Jerry, you can't kick the ick. The ick cannot be kicked. And then Kramer shows up and talks about how his cousin once tried to kick the ick and ended up in prison or something. And Elaine shows up and said, I've kicked the ick. Meg, 
I have to, I can't believe I have to keep telling you this, but stop using our podcast as a way to try and get two new jobs. <laughs> for shows this that is, don't exist this anymore. This is my spec for Seinfeld. Please hire me. <laughs> oh, so the concept has been around for a long time, right? But it was definitely popularized and shortened to the ick by Love Island. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All true. Now, and now the ick has become a big trend on TikTok. Oh. Yeah, so TikTok's another thing I love, Meg, because it's kind of like mini TV. Yeah, this is how you're a, you're a hot teen and I'm an old mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a hot 30-year-old teen. So when you search the ick hashtag, TikTokers, mostly teens, I assume. Like you. Yeah, like me. We're all friends. Um, <laughs> are describing little seemingly mundane things that people do that might make you feel repulsed for no reason. So most of the videos I found were from young women describing what young men do that give them the ick. Mm. But this is not just limited to teen, teenage heterosexual relationships. Sure, sure. You know, but on TikTok, these are where most of the videos are coming from. Okay. And so these videos are often captioned with something like, if you want to get over a guy, just picture him doing this. And then it lists the stuff that might give, give this woman that's posting the ick. Okay. Okay, so here are some examples I found on TikTok of things that are giving these girls the ick. So I want to play a game with you, Meg. As I read each one, just say yes or no. Yes <laughs> means you can understand this giving someone the ick, like you get it. No means this is psychotic. Okay. Do you understand the game we're playing? Yeah, no okay. means I'd, I. it wouldn't give me the ick. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. One, a guy putting on sunscreen. No. Seeing his earwax. Mm, yeah. Him making a joke and no one laughs. Yeah, maybe. A lot of people said on, on TikTok, boys jumping up and down to a concert. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. Taking a selfie. Uh, depends um, how serious it is, I guess. So, yes. Okay. Uh, throwing their, imagining a guy throwing their hands up in the air while on a roller coaster. Yes. Wow, Meg, interesting. Okay. Him having a cold. No. Similarly, him blowing his nose. No. Him getting an x-ray at the dentist. What? Answer. I don't. I, why Picture would I ever see why would I see that no it's not necessarily okay so let me explain <laughs> it's not necessarily stuff you see but you're imagining him doing this oh that thing like opening his mouth yeah for the x-ray yeah no. exactly yeah no we have to do that okay imagining him having to jog to catch up with someone who is walking a few paces in front ah. of him <laughs> so specific that like slow little jog yeah that reminds me of Shit's creek that character that always does that yes is my answer okay <laughs> okay imagining him paying with a gift card no and this one was used a lot meg this last one okay imagine him waiting to get on a water slide waiting for the lifeguard to be like oh. your turn to go yeah maybe Okay. Hey. Well, not to. I I wouldn't be into it, but as far as ending something or feeling completely repulsed, maybe no. That one I'm in the middle. Okay. But you're depends more depends on the swimsuit. Okay. There you go. You're more of a hot teen than I thought you were. You know, because um, these you. all seemed crazy to me, to be honest. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Jumping up and down at a concert is like. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, a lot of these people are teens, so some of them were like, imagine him carrying a lunchbox. Imagine him at a school dance, and all the guys are dancing in a circle, and he's outside the circle, and he can't get in. I mean, no. 
Yeah, and it's like maybe when I was in middle school, that'd give me the ick. But when I was in middle school, I was standing in the corner not dancing with anyone. I feel like if you are a hot teen picturing a boy for no reason getting x-rays at the dentist when you don't have to be picturing that, therapy. Everyone on TikTok needs therapy, including me. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I did find a video by a guy on TikTok who claims that the male ick happens when, quote, you liked her and now she likes you back so the challenge is gone. And I have to say, Meg, I find myself having the ick while thinking about that description of the ick. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just a gross man. Yeah, exactly. That's just a gross man. But guys, (laughs) I highly recommend checking out the ick hashtag on TikTok. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, sure. I might do that. (laughs) But also, as long as we're still talking about the ick as it's used in media and in resources, it might be worth mentioning that the term has been used for a while in a few other contexts. Quickly, I'll go over them. Medical professionals and researchers use the term the ick factor to refer to people that back out of donating organs. Whoa. Basically, people that are down to donate an organ and say they're going to and then back out because they start thinking about how they're going to be cut open and a piece of them will be inside of someone else and they start to really rethink it. Also, I found that it was used... Yeah, also I found it was used a lot... When referring to why humans won't eat insects, even though it is a sustainable source of food. Hmm. And the same with why people don't compost or eat food that is supposedly expired but hasn't actually gone bad yet. We're a fickle species when we're allowed to be. We certainly are. I've also seen on Reddit, which I've been on a lot this week, that people describe the ick when it comes to music. So a song they're listening to that they loved and suddenly they hate, that's getting the ick with a song. Or even like a song that a musician has made and then that musician, right before they release it, decides they hate it. They they call that the ick. Whoa. Yeah. I will say this just made me realize that seeing somebody I'm dating who claims to be a musician play music and I don't like it and it's maybe bad right away. Yeah. Yeah. One time I was kind of dating someone and he made me watch a bunch of his short films from college. (laughs) Oh no. And they weren't good. No, they weren't good. That was the that's the same thing. That wasn't even the ick because I was for some reason obsessed with him. Oh, and so I, like, I didn't give it convinced to myself they were good. Yeah, but okay. they were bad. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into this later, but it just made me realize that I dated someone who's a musician, and then I heard them play guitar and sing, and it was this forced Bob Dylan-y, you know... And you felt repulsed? Yeah. <gasps> Yeah. Meg had the ick, for sure. Well, yeah. We'll okay. talk about that Yeah, before we get later, into but... our, our own icky experiences, <laughs> here's some real examples of the ick that I found online. So here's an 18-year-old female Reddit user posting about her online relationship with her 17-year-old female girlfriend who she has never met in person. So this is like a long-distance oh. online teen relationship. Quote, We are both very goofy and like to play around, but sometimes she gets too far with silly faces and weird sounds, Mm -hmm. and it just cringes me out. I feel like an asshole for feeling like this, and I reflect about this a lot, but I can't help it. Actually, I don't know if I can get used to it or if I should just leave. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Just silly faces. Just that silly you faces. Engaged in. Yep. Now, here, here's a, a Reddit user posted in the Love Island thread mm. that was specifically about the egg. Mm-hmm. Quote, I was lying in bed with her. This, oh, I should mention that this is a UK user. That's important for this. Sure. I was lying in bed with her and she was talking about a painting that was on the wall in her room when she moved in. She said, 
it's quote it's just a pretty picture in a really cringy southern american accent with zero irony oh. completely lost interest in her at that moment Wait, so she did like a cringy, southern it's accent. just a pretty picture yeah is that so, right something like that <laughs> so she no. which to be fair i don't love that <laughs> but he was like i'm done Sure. But Meg, I have to say, I actually became a little concerned for myself when I was scrolling through these examples on Reddit because a lot of Reddit users were talking about when people abbreviate words. They don't like that. That's something I do all the time. <laughs> or when they scream instead of talking in a normal voice. Another thing I do all the time. Or when they use too many exclamation points in text. I don't know how not to do that. Multiple people described being super attracted to someone until they heard them fart in their sleep. Then they couldn't imagine touching them ever again. That's just something you can't control. Sure. Also saying words like smooch. I say that every two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I saw the smooch thing too come up. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, but I think I'd come out with that so quick that there's not even time for me to give someone the ick. Like they see that about me right away and they're, they, they're, they're, in they're like, they're out. Right. They're like, okay, this sure. person's annoying right away. No. That's what I hope. While you do scream constantly, I don't find any of those things you, annoying. Thank you so much. But you know what? I think I'm a particular person to date, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so I also I also want to read two stories from that same Cosmopolitan article I mentioned earlier. People sent in stories about getting the ick. One person said, quote, I'd been going out with this guy for a couple weeks before we had sex for the first time. After that, I found him a bit annoying, but I just told myself it was nothing and carried on as normal. Then about three months in, something in my head just completely switched. I just couldn't stand being around him. His voice annoyed me. His jokes weren't funny anymore. I clammed up when he tried to hug or kiss me. I was young and didn't really get it though, so I just stayed with him but bitched to my friends relentlessly. One day we were in a cab. He caught me texting my best friend saying how much I couldn't stand him. That's when I realized I was being a huge dick and had to pull the plug. Mm. We stayed friends after and the ick miraculously went away as soon as we broke up. I felt bad for how I'd been, but I think I was so young, I didn't really get it. Now I see that there's a big difference between your partner getting on your nerves and full-blown ick. Teachable moment, the ick never lies, don't ignore it. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that is one where it like really just came out of nowhere. Here's another. Quote, I went downstairs to my front room after a house party and found a friend of a friend, Anton, name changed in this article, asleep on my sofa. We got chatting, went up to my room to watch trash TV, and ended up hanging out the whole next day, hooking up and having fairly decent sex. We hooked up again not long after on a night out with friends, then went on a dinner date shortly after that, and all of a sudden, I looked at him across the table, chopsticks in hand, and the thought of him licking my vagina made me want to die oh, no. he didn't necessarily do or say anything but i noticed his hoodie and leather jacket combo is actually a two-in-one garment oh my god not two separate ones which maybe put me off a bit but after that i had to break it off asap wait hoodie so that's the only reason she can think of that oh, possibly gave her that hoodie feeling. and leather jacket so yes yeah, so leather jacket with a cotton with, hood exactly yeah 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 with like the built-in hoodie oh sure <laughs> That's not, if I like everything else about the guy. No, that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. But that's the only thing she can even think of. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she just fell into it too fast. Yeah. Well, we'll get into kind of the psychology behind it. Yeah. Let me Right now. 
Let me do that, Molly. So what exactly is the ick from a more psychological point of view? Well, before the catchy phrase was coined by Olivia on Love Island, it was being studied under a different name, like you said before, sudden repulsion syndrome. This term first came about back in 2007. It's such a harsh term. Yeah, sudden repulsion syndrome. It mm-hmm. sounds very official. And it was used to describe, quote, a small, seemingly insignificant thing, a behavior, physical characteristic, a genetic disposition that immediately and irrevocably renders your mate unattractive. So, absolutely, the ick by another name. Absolutely. The science behind SRS and the ick, just like everything else about it, is still up for debate, but everyone seems to say that it is most likely to happen in the aftermath of the honeymoon period. Yes. Once the dopamine has worn off, a flaw that you originally dismissed as a quirk suddenly becomes a relationship's death sentence. And what many of the psychologists that I found talking about SRS and the ick explained is that what is happening is that your body is figuring things out before your brain does. So it's sort of like your body coming to its senses. It's your subconscious kicking you into fight or flight. Even when your mind can't put a finger on what is wrong, your body can. So so what I'm kind of like getting from everything we've talked about so far is this can happen kind of out of the blue. There's mm-hmm. nothing that provokes it, but it can also happen when there's just one annoying trait that shouldn't be a big deal that all of a sudden gets blown up. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I think it's something that's happening with your subconscious mind. Okay. So what is the conscious mind compared to the subconscious mind? Real quick, I'm going to tell you Freud's three levels of mind. Ooh, fun. Yeah. School. School, babe. (laughs) The pre-conscious consists of anything that could potentially be brought into the conscious mind. So it's kind of like kinetic energy, right? It's like floating around and available to you, but you're not using it in the conscious. You're not using it in the moment. Unless you need it. To grab it. Okay, great. The conscious mind contains all of the thoughts, memories, feelings, and wishes of which we are aware of at any given moment. This is the aspect of your mental processing that we can think and talk about rationally. This also includes our memory, which is not always part of consciousness, but can be retrieved easily and brought into awareness. Okay. And finally, the unconscious mind is a reservoir of feelings, thoughts, urges, and memories that are outside of our conscious awareness. The unconscious often contains things that are unacceptable or unpleasant, such as feelings of pain, anxiety, or conflict. Gotcha. So now, as I dug a little deeper into how the subconscious mind works in a practical day-to-day way, I found a super simple analogy that helped me frame things. Okay, I'm ready. So yeah, imagine for me, Molly, that you're at Disneyland, okay? Sure. You're having so much fun going on Space Mountain and eating Dole Whip and making fun of me for having overplanned our day. Yeah, you gotta chill. (laughs) And you're not worried about work because we're off for the weekend and you're just having a blast, okay? Okay, I'm still probably getting a few emails though. Yeah, but it's a well-planned blast and I'm distracting you from those emails. Okay, great. I love that. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) You're welcome. This is what I do. But then we decide to sit down for dinner at one of Disney's restaurants. And all of a sudden, you become aware of the fact that you have a blister on your ankle from your new Adidas rubbing one spot all day long. Oh boy, why did I wear new shoes? I know, I told you not to. And you didn't even realize it was there because while you were having fun with me, 
your subconscious mind was sending messages to your body to send skin to that area and build up a blister on that ankle to Mm. protect you from infection. Okay. Now, of course, all you're going to think about is how that blister hurts. Yeah, ouchie. Yeah, but until you got to that point, your subconscious mind was flying solo. And I think that's an apt analogy for the ick. You're floating along, having a blast, riding the roller coaster that is the beginning of a relationship, (laughs) and you don't realize that something negative was developing all along. To me, it seems like your subconscious mind is allowing your conscious mind to try something out free of judgment, but that can only last for so long until you have a moment to sit down and think post-honeymoon phase... And I think that depending on your personality and or how much you love Disneyland slash dating someone at first, (laughs) you'll either want to slap a band-aid on it and tough it out or go home, pack up, we're through. Somehow I'll make a man out of you. Okay, so... um... Disney. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this also fits... Wait, wait, hold on. I have a quick question. Okay. So, Meg, you said you found this analogy, but I'm pretty sure you wrote it. No, no, I did find it, but I made it curated for you molly oh that's so nice of you (laughs) yeah and also i would love to go to disneyland with you one day when we have the money to do it and covid's over (laughs) it'll be too planned but we'll see (laughs) that's absolutely true one time i did go to disney when i was supposed to be working actually what Uh, my buses were across the country so i was like i can Mm. do it and my friend was in town and really wanted to go to disney and it was the worst i was just answering emails all day i picked a perfect analogy for you. i know yeah that actually worked really well (laughs) keep going keep going Okay, so I feel like this analogy also fits how Laura Asprey, who founded the matchmaking organization Asprey Productions, lays out her theory of the ick. She says, it all comes down to how we can form a preconceived notion of someone and establish in our psyche an identity before we know who they really are. We therefore build people up before they have the chance to prove themselves and then get wholly disappointed when they don't fit into the image we built them up to be in our minds. Yeah, this happens in dating all the time. Yeah, and then similarly, neuroscientist Sally Sheldon thinks that the ick is actually your inner critic holding you back from happiness. She says... When our minds circulate fearful, critical, judgmental thoughts, our brains release stress hormones such as cortisol. Why? Because our brain doesn't know the difference between an event that's actually happening and one we are imagining. Our survival response, so like fight or flight, overrides our logical brains, putting our system on guard. We then convince ourselves that we're going to get hurt by this person, and we convince ourselves we don't like them anymore. So basically, she says our brains are really wary at the beginning of a relationship, and at a certain point, we just start to freak out and look for reasons to call the whole thing off. Sure. Absolutely. And to me, this all kind of says the same thing. Our subconscious brain is doing a lot of work for us while our conscious brain is off having fun, falling for someone until the shit inevitably hits the fan. The ick is the taking off of rose-colored glasses and the kicking in of our conscious brain. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I felt like the next question to ask was, Can you trust your subconscious brain and your body's reaction to it? Can you trust your gut in this situation? Can you trust what, when thinking rationally, seems like a very fickle and immature response to one little thing that happens within this new relationship that was otherwise going so well? Mm -hmm. So so what'd you find, baby? (laughs) A lot of people say no. Okay. 
And I began to see a pattern in what I was reading and hearing that leads me to believe that the stigma of the ick is fueled by the way that we view the critical thinking process. Okay, explain that. So basically, yeah, following your gut isn't as helpful or as praised as it once was in human history because we aren't making that many gut instinct decisions to survive on a day-to-day basis anymore. We value analytical and scientific thinking now. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of us do. People should wear masks, but they don't, so. Right, so not everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I will say I found a million articles from psychiatrists on why we should trust our intuition and a million from psychiatrists on why we shouldn't trust our intuition, but most were written in the context of making financial decisions and not decisions of love, but what they all seem to agree on is these things. Okay, tell me, baby. So, your intuition is shaped by your past experiences and your existing knowledge that you gained from them. So, the more experience you have in a topic that you're deciding on, the more accurate your intuition can lead you to the best possible decision. So, like picking a partner, something like that. Yeah. So, for example, your brain is like one big file and you filed a lot of information away on a particular topic. And if that's true, then it's more likely that your gut feeling will be accurate. Which makes sense if you've played competitive poker for 15 years. As we both have. Yes. (laughs) Then our gut decision making is absolutely (laughs) going to be better than the gut decision of somebody who's a poker novice. Some loser. Yeah. (laughs) So the more dating experience you get, the more accurate your gut feeling should be. Okay. I think that's probably why we seem to experience the ick most when we're younger. Sure. This actually reminds me, Meg, of um, what we were talking about in our first episode. Shout out to our first episode about mm-hmm. shout we were out. Talk- <laughs> we were talking about love at first sight and how subconsciously we build a love map. I think it was called. Yeah. Of kind of like what we want in a partner, and we don't even know we're doing it, but like yeah. our brain is storing this information, and then when it is time to pick a mate, we draw from that. It's similar, not the same, of course, but it just reminded me of Yeah, it's just this idea that our brain stores information and it's helpful to us when we're making a decision related to that thing that we store information Totally, totally. So, another thing I kept seeing is that your intuition is encoded in your brain like a, quote, web of fact and feeling. Mm -hmm. It connects your body, mind, and spirit and how those three elements have processed everything from your past. So our brains are able to file not just the facts attached to our experiences, but feelings too. They're doing a lot of computing by putting them together for us. Okay. And finally, your intuition connects you with all the nerve cells in your body. You know how we talk about getting butterflies in your stomach As a way to refer to having a gut feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those butterflies are actually the subconscious part of your brain sending signals to the nerves that are located in your gut and making them feel that way. Mm -hmm. And this is all called your microbiome, which is basically just a fancy word for the line of communication between your brain and your gut. So your brain's telling your stomach to feel that way and then you feel it there. Yeah. So... My takeaway is that our intuition is actually doing a ton of work for us while we're experiencing the ick. Uh It's taking the situation or decision at hand and processing it through all the facts we know, as well as the emotions we felt in similar situations, 
in times before and giving us a nudge based on that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I kind of reminds me how whenever I have a crush, I mm. always say like I hate I hate having a crush on someone mm-hmm. because I just feel like I'm going to throw up all the time and I'm reminded maybe subconsciously I'm reminded of all my past crushes, the majority of which didn't work out. Sure, of course. <laughs> and so I hate the feeling. It's all connecting. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Everything's awful. (laughs) Just kidding. I love love. (laughs) So, okay. So, we were talking about the ick. What do we do when we have it, right? Mm -hmm. So, from what I found, first of all, obviously it is important to listen to and notice your gut when you're feeling these things. Whether or not you have enough experience to know if this is something you should really follow through on is kind of up to you. But you need to know that you're and be aware that you're feeling those feelings, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also important to have open communication with your partner. And I should first say that this can kind of depend on where you are with your partner, right? If like if you're in a casual hookup and you start feeling the ick, you can't really go anywhere from there, you know? because if you don't see a future beyond sex and you're repulsed by them what are you gonna do that's not gonna be fun for either of you right yeah it wouldn't make sense you're not invested in any other way you don't see a future so of course yeah you're not gonna move forward right but if this is someone you really see a future with that's where it's gonna get trickier a lot of people who have experienced the ick say it doesn't go away and you have to Mm. trust your intuition but then there are other people who say it's bullshit you can move past it yeah so i read a piece in pedestrian by um, melissa mason that blames a lot of the ick on social media actually and how things Things like Instagram have made us expect people to be perfect all the time. And that simply doesn't happen in real life. Right. Right. And she also says that we become generally unable to wait for relationships to grow and develop normally. Right. Mm. And I think like this, you know, you see a lot on TikTok and stuff like people being like, Mm -hmm. if he does this, dump him. You know what I mean? And like some of that is legitimate, but some of it is like, well, people can grow and change. Yeah. And you you can talk about it and maybe he'll stop right or she'll stop stop. they'll stop so melissa says firstly we have to recognize that as a generation we have zero patience blame the internet our smartphones social media we can get information in minutes we want to digest it in less time than that it's made us impatient little bitches she says (laughs) (laughs) we want promotions now money now love now in many ways this has made us ambitious and self-confident and those are great things we should fight for what we want within reason. The thing with relationships is that they grow. They don't just magically sprout into phenomenal intimate love fests. So when you look at the ick through the lens of us being impatient bastards, mm-hmm. what you really see is people who can't wait for their feelings to develop normally, end quote. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It's an excuse to end things because they aren't perfect. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that you're not getting exactly what you want right now. So uh, I think we can both totally buy that argument, but mm-hmm. that also doesn't mean that the ick isn't real. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that we're not getting that feeling. Yeah, I've so, experienced it. So Yeah, me too. So again, we have to address it. So I did a bunch of research, obviously, on what the ick is, but more importantly on how it develops. And as kind of you said as well, Meg, it can happen for different reasons. Maybe you rushed into the relationship and you ignored mm. red flags. Now those red flags are popping up hard and fast and it all com- <laughs> it all culminates in the ick, right? Yeah, and you feel it physically. And you don't know why you're feeling it, but you got to stop and look back. And mm-hmm. then maybe you'll realize those red flags are there. Maybe your gut is responding to a fundamental difference between you and your partner. Mm. Maybe you're just done. You know what I mean? It's not working. And... and There's not always a reason for that, but your body's telling you that. Your body's smart, you know? So if it is these fundamental differences or red flags you're ignoring, then maybe it is time to do the brave thing and end the relationship, which can be a brave thing. 
Yeah. Right? Um, but how do you know if that's the case? I think you do have to take a step back and look at the relationship. Think about why you were into that person in the first place and what you've learned about them since then. Mm. You know, because maybe you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, oh yeah, they, this is a, ba- you know, bad example, but oh, yeah, they did mention that Trump was okay. You know, something like that. <laughs> like, big fundamental difference that you ignored because they were so hot. You know what I or, mean? Like, or came to your comedy shows or Yeah, well, they came to my comedy shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> many just saintly. <laughs> many a failed relationship has started for me that way. <laughs> now, I also want to talk about something I, again, came across on Reddit. Shout out. Someone posted about feeling the ick, and one user then suggested that this poster actually had an avoidant attachment style. And I was oh, like, okay. oh, that's interesting. So I'm sure we'll get into attachment styles on, on its own episode because it's sure. such an interesting thing. But an adult avoidant attachment style is when someone uh, like pushes away emotional closeness. Mm. This is often a protective mechanism because that person was in some way emotionally neglected as a child. This makes it really difficult to trust a romantic partner who is emotionally close to them as an adult. So I can totally see the ick developing out of this. And it's kind of what you were talking about earlier, Meg, that Mm -hmm. fight or flight response. Their body senses something wrong because they've been trained to think that emotional closeness is wrong and scary scary. exactly and they're out they get the ick so all of this information all of what we've been saying kind of says to me that the ick can come from fear that a relationship is going to be something real you know Mm. what i mean and you're Mm -hmm. running from it so so not only do you have to look back on the relationship but you also have to look back on yourself and your past when you're feeling the ick and be like is this just a me thing where is this coming from and how do we do that you gotta go to therapy therapy babe (laughs) we love therapy (laughs) Uh, psychologist meredith fuller also suggested to body and soul that if you're feeling the ick or on little things your partner is doing that aren't really important right like the hoodie and the jacket or <laughs> sure, yeah. whatever, then you should think about the things that you do that are annoying and then maybe mm-hmm. that will give you like a little more empathy yeah, for your partner. For sure. You know, like I could think about how I scream all the time and... Mm-hmm. And And I'm uh, controlling. Exactly. There you go. (laughs) So what I'm getting out of all of this is that communication is key. Not just communication with your partner, right? But communication with yourself. Sure. So that's not to say you go tell your partner that you think they're disgusting as soon as you start feeling something like (laughs) this. But But you first have to ask yourself why this is happening. And then talk to your partner about it, being careful not to put the blame on them. Because oftentimes this phenomenon is happening within you, you know? Yeah, this, I'm interrupting your part, but it just made me realize it's important to enter into conversations with your subconscious brain. Yeah, and it's like, how do we do that? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Checking in that you're not crazy, sort of. It makes me think of when I perform. Mm Mm-hmm. Before I go on stage, I'm often nervous, like, oh, I'm for sure going to forget my lines. My brain's going to fail me, but then I think... No, every single time I've been put in a high-pressure situation, I'm even better at remembering my lines Mm -hmm. and performing well and recovering whatever happens. So you you have to trust this part of yourself that you don't even know. Yeah, you have to trust that when you're put in the spotlight of, you know, the pressure of figuring out what a relationship is Mm -hmm. or, you know, being on stage and performing, whatever it is, being put in the spotlight, you you got to talk to your subconscious brain and be like, you got me, right? Yeah. Like, you're telling me the truth. Right. But you also, like, on the flip side of that, have to be like, 
what is my subconscious pulling from my past that might not be relevant to this relationship do you know what I'm saying like my mom didn't show me enough love okay so that's made me not trust romantic partners this partner I'm with has given me no reason to believe that they won't neglect me yes that's sort of the exact same thing I have yeah I've trusted my subconscious brain in the past to come through for me or I've trusted someone else and they haven't, but this person isn't doing those things. Right. It's all just checking back in. Yeah, totally. You know, and I've I've been in relationships where it feels right because the person's taking care of me, but really they were just telling me how I should live my life. But at, but at mm. that time in my life, in my subconscious told me that I couldn't trust myself because mm. I had gotten so many messages like that growing up and in my eating disorder treatment all of that stuff so then as soon as someone was there to take care of me because I dealt with codependence a lot I thought oh yeah it felt right it felt right and comfortable until I started gaining more independence and realized it didn't yeah anyway it's a conversation it's an ongoing conversation you have to have with yourself exactly exactly so so Meg you also sent me a a story today from an anonymous writer in Metro about getting the ick after moving in with her boyfriend during quarantine that's funny I didn't read this but I sent it to you but I was like I want to read it so for them things were great in lockdown for a couple of weeks they were spending a ton of time together having amazing sex all of that but then suddenly she got the ick Mm -hmm. and it was like yikes uh, she didn't want to have sex with him and couldn't think about why. Like, couldn't couldn't think of why. So here's how she dealt with it, which is really interesting to me. Instead mm-hmm. of throwing everything away, she decided to be open with her partner, talked about it. They ended up deciding to stay separately in the same house. So they basically just, like, stayed in separate rooms, didn't see each other, and communicated through text. And I think that's so crazy, but it also takes a lot of patience and bravery on both their parts. And after two weeks... The ick had gone away for her, and they were right back in it. Whoa. Isn't that wild? That's very wild and impressive. Yeah. So, you know, she trusted her gut, but also was open with herself and her partner while doing so, and her partner trusted her. Wow. Even when she's kind of abandoning it. It, it's yeah. wild it's wild but like honestly to me that shows a lot of trust in each other that Absolutely. i really like what a great story i know i'm glad i read it <laughs> <laughs> so <too>. when <laughs> when it does come to communicating with your partner a lot of people struggle they don't want to hurt the person they're scared of looking like the bad guy right mm-hmm. but we have to communicate we have to be authentic and honest with our partners or it's not going to work and we've both seen that from experience meg yeah <laughs> so here are some tips on how to do that that i've collected for this research if your partner is annoying you you should talk to them about it but not in the moment that you're annoyed okay you know don't talk about something you're heated about in your most heated moment that's pretty common advice yeah Similarly, take time for yourself and set boundaries. We don't have to always be around our partners and their annoying habits all the time. So when it is time to communicate, we're not already bugging, you know, we're not already freaking out. Yeah. Always put yourself in your partner's shoes before you have these conversations. Then you can be sensitive to what's going to hurt them. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing with the ick in general. Like, you have to remember that it's not just about what's happening in front of you. It's, right. you know, a buildup. And if, they're if, a person too, and you have ics 
and yeah. they have X and so chill out. Right. If the person I'm dating comes up to me and is like, I hate the way you shout instead <laughs> of talk, I'd be like, fuck you. <gasps> but if they come up to me and they were like, I'm having this weird feeling about us and I need to talk about it. Sure. I don't know where it's coming from. Then I'm still probably defensive, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's a while after you've been shouting, maybe yeah, it's better. I'm going to start shouting right away, but we'll work through it. You know, I'm going to be more receptive. <laughs> Also communicate to your partners the things that are good, the things that you're both doing well at in the relationship. Yeah. You know, then you're not going to both feel like failures when you have those difficult conversations, mm-hmm. which I think is is really important and good. Um, yeah. And most importantly, as I've said before, like think about where your feelings are coming from in the first place. They might be a you issue. And the person you really have to communicate with is yourself. And then maybe yeah, you're like, subconscious. Right, you're subconscious. And then maybe it's like, I don't even need to have this conversation with my partner because this is about me. Mm. Or you can talk about how it's about you exactly. and sort of sort through Very it. Very true. Very and true. say, hey, help me out. Stop slurping your soup for a second because I have issues and it's not about you, but this will make us closer. Right, this is like triggering whatever in me. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, it's not about me. Okay, I didn't know I slurped soup. Yeah. Let's move forward. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here we go. Let's get into ourselves, Meg. Have you experienced the ick? Yeah, so I think in a way that we've described it, I have. I have an instance in mind, I guess. And I'll preface it by saying, you know, this is one of those low stakes ick catalysts, but it was preceded by some real red flags as far as compatibility in a relationship goes, Uh and it was the beginning of the end. So Okay, all right. Yeah, so I was dating a guy for a couple months, but we were moving fairly quickly, and it was around Christmas time, so we had planned to have our own little Christmas morning together well before it was actually Christmas because we would be spending it with our families. Sure. So he was really excited leading up to this about what he was going to give me and clearly proud of it, and so I was getting excited too, right? He was, like, talking it up. And I know this is so petty, but what he ended up giving me as a gift was his own old record player. Um, okay, so he kind of re-gifted. He, yeah, because he, quote, doesn't really use it. That's a terrible reason to give a gift. Yeah, well, I mean, that part alone would have been cool because I now have a record player and a lot of records, and I really enjoy using it. Mm-hmm. But then... He also went through the trouble of finding speakers on Craigslist that would work with this particular record player. And Molly, <laughs> you and like three other people know me super well. Yeah. So you know that I'm very meticulous in how I decorate and right, how I keep you my living space. And I follow interior design blogs and I put months of thought into most things that I purchase for sure, my living space. you absolutely do. And to your credit, it always looks beautiful. Yeah, and, like, I... Well, thank you. That's really nice. But, like, even if I can't find something that I want specifically, I'll create it myself. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, so these speakers (laughs) that he got me... Oh, my God. I wanted to like them because it was so sweet, but they were huge. I truly did not have space for them, even if I liked how they looked. Yeah. They were nearly as tall as me, and I am 5'8". And there were two of them. Mm, that's a lot. And they were that's like a two lot. feet and wide. That's a lot in your little apartment. Yes, and I, I have a one-bedroom apartment, and I know it's so petty of me, but that was the beginning of the end for me, and I felt like he didn't understand me, and we 
we broke up shortly after, and those speakers hid in my closet until my other friend Alec, who is in shout that, out Alec, shout out, who is in that top four people who get me the yeah. most, yeah. helped me get rid of them because it was like this thing I felt so much guilt about, and I I know that when I was younger I was really easily turned off by things, but this. This felt different because... Yeah, and I've talked with you about this relationship, and I think looking back on it, you do see all the red flags that Mm -hmm. are, like, so much more egregious than buying you speakers that you can't put anywhere, right? Absolutely. So, again, maybe this wasn't you being petty. It was your subconscious talking to you. Sure. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, and like I said, I used to be, in my youth, much more critical. It's a miracle that I am currently dating a man who wears Uh flip-flops. That would have (laughs) done it for me at a certain point. And also, I don't know if you remember this, Molly, but while I was thinking about the ick so much this week doing this research, I remember that a good friend of both of ours once told us, and she gave me permission to mention this, but that she was casually dating someone and they were making breakfast together and they straight up, <gasps> the person she was dating straight up ate a spoonful of ghee. Now, ghee is what again? It's like oily butter? Yeah, basically. Okay. And she was out after that. She one. was like, I'm absolutely done. Yeah. And that I've been thinking about that a lot this week yeah, as well. Yeah. That's a really, really good example of uh-huh. it. Yeah. It's just like one thing, you're done. And it grosses you out. And I think that would gross me out too, whether it would give me the ick or not. I don't know. But... It wouldn't gross me out at all, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one man's ick is another man's treasure, I exactly. think. Exactly. Yeah. One man's ick is another Molly's horny. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make a quote of that. <laughs> um, okay, so I... What about you? Yeah, what have I, you had? I have felt the ick. Of course, it's like I feel guilty even like talking about it because it's it's not a nice thing to feel. I have felt the ick twice. I think twice. Uh, and I feel guilty even talking about it because it's not like a nice thing to feel. Mm-hmm. But once I was in high school, and I, I think that part of it is really tied into my own anxiety. Mm. So when I was in high school, I had not dated anyone. And I kind of knew this boy who was a year older than me. And uh, he mm. was so funny and weird. Still, Aww. I'm Spoiler alert, I'm still friends with him. He's the weirdest person I know. <laughs> and so fun and funny. I think I had, like, a little crush on him, but I didn't think mm-hmm. he, like, really knew me that well. Because, again, he was older. Older, you know, I was a sophomore, he was a junior. And then all of a sudden, the older girls on my field hockey team sat me down one day before practice. And they were like, he likes you. <gasps> sat you down to tell you he likes sat you? Sat me down to tell me. And I was, like, so shy already and so scared of anyone mm-hmm. older than me that I it was, like, too much. And Aww. even though I kind of liked him and thought he was cute, instead my anxiety took over. And I, I couldn't talk to him. I, and not because I was, like, nervous, because I all of a sudden didn't want to. Mm. And I do think that was all my anxiety. Like, all of a sudden, I was just like, I can't even look at him. Like, I can't even be near him. If he was, if we passed each other in the hallway, I would look away. Mm. Which seems so mean, but I was like, I was so, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was my subconscious telling me, like, I didn't deserve that. I grew up Catholic, and so yeah. dating was very much a thing scary. to me. scary. <laughs> so there's so many, like, subconscious things that go into it. But eventually I did get over it, and we did go on a date, and he was my first kiss. Oh. So it does. Was it good? Yeah, it was, like, the best. We were, like, on top of his, like, old Volvo looking at the stars at the soccer fields in my town. It's, like, the best story. Cute. Yeah. Mine Um, sucks, so that's great. (laughs) Um, We are still friends now, uh, and he is a comedian, so. Oh, funny. Shout out. Yeah, it's. 
I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> um, I've also felt it as an adult once. And again, I do really like tie it in with my anxiety. I was seeing someone mm. and all of a sudden it just stopped working and I got scared. And I do think I handled it the wrong way. You mm. know, I, instead of being honest with this person, I didn't know how to explain what I was feeling without hurting him. So instead I hurt him by half ghosting him, you sure. know, by pushing kind of, him away, probably by pushing him away and pretending like what we had wasn't as important as it was and it was Mm. really important but I didn't know how to explain this feeling I was having and this anxiety and how I had like lost something I lost part of our connection and I didn't know why and I still don't really fully know why yeah but probably some I mean right something telling you it wouldn't have worked yeah and it would have messed up your friendship yeah and so how do you explain that And now that we've kind of done all this research, it would still be really hard to talk about it, but I would absolutely have gone about it in a different way. I would have absolutely been upfront and honest, Hmm. you know, and it's really hard to have those conversations, but I ended up hurting that person way more Hmm. by avoiding it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's so common. I know. With whether it's the ick or something legit, not that yours wasn't legitimate, but something easier to pinpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really difficult well okay okay so I think I know what you're gonna say now then but yeah Molly do you think the ick is real oh yeah definitely I think ultimately it's your gut telling you something and you have to figure out whether or not you listen to it Mm -hmm. right it's your gut telling you maybe you're ignoring red flags or it's your gut telling you that you have childhood stuff you have to work through you have anxiety stuff you have to work through before you can move forward so I'm not saying it means you have to break up with someone, but I yeah. do think it's 100% real. Okay. What do you think, Meg? I don't think it's real. What? But you were just describing how you feel like you felt it. Okay, yes. But this is the caveat. If we are describing the ick as something that is catalyzed by one random action from the person that you're seeing. Uh-huh as being the culprit for why you are no longer attracted to them, then I don't believe it's real. Okay, I think I agree with you there. What I personally think is happening is the magic has gone. Mm -hmm. The honeymoon is over. Mm -hmm. There have been a bunch of things that have added up and all of a sudden your subconscious mind is catching up to your conscious mind and your body and you are around that same time seeing something happen that you aren't into. Yep. And so you are pinning all of that onto that thing. Because it's, like, easier. Yeah, and it happened to happen around the same time. Yeah. I guess what I'm wondering is, in my examples that I gave you from my life, there wasn't one thing the person did, but it was, like, all of a sudden this overwhelming feeling that I couldn't explain. Well, I know the instances you're talking about, and I kind of feel like... There it was, was maybe there the whole time. Yeah, well, yeah. and of one instance where somebody committed to you more than you were willing to or able to commit to them in that moment, and yeah. so that was where it surfaced. Okay, you get me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not to say that no, I, I, we don't yeah. experience that unfortunate repulsion. But you can explain it in other ways. Yeah, I yeah. think it's just a convenience factor that something happened around the same time Uh and now there's a switch in your brain where you can unload it into the fact that I I saw I saw a lot of examples where somebody had a rat tail 
<laughs> and people that was so the easy for them. to blame it on the rat tail. Yeah, but it's like you knew about the rat tail in a way. Like whether the rat tail was there or not already, you knew. Yeah, and I think in my examples too, I didn't want to admit that I fucked up. You know what I mean? It's sure. easier to blame it on a gut feeling than to oh, be like, yeah. I jumped into something that I actually maybe shouldn't have jumped into. Yes, Instead, exactly. it's to be like, it's this gut thing and I don't know why it's there, but I got to listen to my gut. I'm out. Yes, exactly. Which doesn't necessarily detract from how important that feeling is and how accurate, but... I have to admit to my own stuff. I have to admit that I wasn't ready for this and I still dove in and that hurt you and I'm sorry. Exactly. And that's not what I did. And I have to admit that there were many signs before I got ugly speakers and we should not have had Christmas morning in the first place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, I'm... I feel like this episode, I'm learning a lot about myself. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's the ick, Meg. That's the ick. Uh, Let's get into our last segment, Real Love. You have a story for me. I do. I have a story from a listener, Jamie Kay. And here we go. Hi, Jamie Kay. Hi. All right, they say. Well, to start, the short story of my divorce is this. Okay. Twelve years together, he got emotionally, verbally abusive the last five-plus years. He'd been having an affair with another married woman the last two years we were married. Jeez. Knocked her up three months after the divorce and is now lucky baby daddy number three. Wow. Which I assume means he was the third man to have a baby with the woman he was with? Yes. Okay. So... One of the first dates I went on, I wasn't feeling the guy at all. I cannot tell you. It's so hard to go on dates after your divorce. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Good for you, Jamie. Yeah. I told him that, or probably some nice version of, it's too soon after the divorce, (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Okay. He still tried to invite me in. I said no, etc. Oh, boy. No, etc. Not a good start. Yeah. Uh, He continued to talk to me through social media for a few weeks. After my continuing to tell him I'm not interested or just flat ignoring him, he went for his version of a Hail Mary. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Yeah. I was at work 4 p.m. on a Monday, and I get (laughs) the worst time for this, (laughs) and I get a text while I was on the phone with a customer. I could see it was a video, but the image was so small and I was preoccupied, but I remember thinking, (gasps) why is he sending me a picture of a dog's leg? Oh my God. Oh my God. I got off the phone, clicked on the text, still thinking it was the dog's leg. I made it 0.5 seconds before I realized he sent me, all caps, a video of himself jacking off on his couch. Yup. My first dick pic was an unsolicited jerking off video. This that. is the thing about getting divorced later. You didn't even... You didn't have to I deal with getting dick pics. I didn't get dick pics. I didn't do online dating. It's all oh. new. And the same for Jamie. Okay. My, That's disgusting. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. After I blocked him on all social media accounts, he reached out later that night on the dating app we met on and said oh god wow (laughs) well since i'm not blocked on here i assume i still have a chance (laughs) she goes on okay another guy i had been talking to for a couple of weeks before we agreed to meet up in person we went to a restaurant around minneapolis where there is a ferris wheel and mini golf fun Fun. 
We had some food, conversation was great, played some mini golf, and rode the Ferris wheel. It was a really fun date. At that point, we decided to leave and go to a local bar to play darts. He went outside to go smoke, already gross and nasty. I know. (laughs) She (laughs) She says. She knows. And I came with him. He started talking to this younger guy next to us who works in the field that I sell, too. The kid asked us what we did, we started chatting with him, and dude walks off to go find his girlfriend when he finishes his smoke. My date took that opportunity to start screaming at me, if you want to go fuck him so bad, he's right over there. I can't believe you would disrespect me like that on our first date, you were totally flirting with him. I immediately left and never talked to him again. Good for you. Good for you, Jamie. Good for you. Man, that guy's ick was you talking to someone, and that was not the right ick. (laughs) That's not an ick. That's being a dick. No, that's not an ick. That's being a dick. High five to me. (laughs) I almost forgot about the guy I went out with who genuinely believed he was the second coming of Christ. Oh, no. It all ties into... Maybe he's in love as one. There you go. Date started out normal, had some food, a couple drinks, went to another bar to do some karaoke. Fun. After his first round, we went outside so he could smoke. Another bad call, she says. (laughs) And he tells me that he's bipolar but doesn't take meds because working out does the same thing. It doesn't. As Jamie then says, red flag number one. Yep. Then he tells me as the night progresses that he truly, truly believes he should be running for president because he would be an amazing leader. Red flag number two. That's like a, a red siren. Yeah, that's a red siren. <laughs> that's a fire. That's that emoji. That's blazing. That, yeah. The third and final was when he was almost in tears on the steps of the place we were at talking about how he knows he's Jesus's reincarnation. He was put on this earth to heal and help people and while he's not religious in any way shape or form whoa yeah okay bold he was positive that he is the second coming of christ and should quote have a flock to lead jamie says i know i have more and i'm sure i'll have more as i keep trying the stupid dating thing out but these are the two that stick out right now there was also the racist who thought somalians were coming to minnesota through mexico (gasps) so he wanted the wall built and the drunk who almost got us kicked Separate out of the person. bar. Yeah. After getting cut off. Real winners here in Minnesota. I swear to God, the crazy seek me out. Jamie K. Oh my gosh. That's, what a good set of stories. That's a great set of stories. And yeah, I mean, I've never been divorced. You have. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to get back in the game after. I can barely get back in the game after like a breakup from someone I've well, of been course. dating it's six hard. months yeah. yeah but that's Nine and then years, you babe <laughs> and then you get these weirdos you know uh, uh, jamie keep going for keep it going. i think and right? then tell us when you find someone that isn't what racist jealous uh, yeah you know what even if it's someone that you know you're not gonna keep dating but someone that's just like nice and good Mm. You know what I mean? That's still hopeful. Yeah. That the good people are still out there and you'll find the one that you match with. Yeah. This is a affirming story after we just judged people, judging people for yeah. <laughs> how they cut their hair. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was it. We did it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to, you know, I'll do all this stuff. And follow us and all those things. Love you forever. Babe. Thank <laughs> you.
Today's sources are Refinery29. Help, I caught the ick and I'm suddenly repulsed by my partner, Jasmine Kopacha. Psychology Today. Three reasons why you have to trust your gut by Susanna Nusinen. Chinese single women learning to love the solo life, independence, and focusing on their self-worth by Phoebe Zhang on South China Morning Post. The Dr. Phil Show. Vice. When one tiny thing your partner does spells doom for your relationship. Stephen Blum. Verywellmind.com. The Preconscious, Conscious, and Unconscious Minds by Stephen Gans, MD. Your Tango. The reason you're suddenly not in love with him anymore may be due to sudden repulsion syndrome. Gigi Ongol. The ick is bullshit and we've got to stop using it as a reason to break up by Melissa Mason for Pedestrian. What is the ick and why do we get it by Emily Gula in Cosmopolitan? You've probably had the ick without knowing it by Sanigita Singh Kurtz for The Cut. Uh, what to do when you've got the ick on the Forgetting Fairy Tales blog? What is the ick and how does it develop? Experts give us the lowdown by Sabrina Barr for Independent. Metro News. Does your partner have an avoidant attachment pattern by Lisa Firestone for Psychology Today? Why the ones we love drive us crazy by Martha Beck for O Magazine. Six ways to respond when your husband annoys you for imom.com. Who is most likely to fall in love with the wrong person by Gary W. Lewandowski Jr. for Psychology today and emophilia and other predictors of attraction to individuals with dark triad traits a study by Jacqueline Lechuga and Daniel Jones. Forever Babe podcast would like to thank all of our sources as well as Corey Webster for making our theme song and Pearl Botts for singing so beautifully on it.